Patriotism and aging gracefully. It's a Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to the Patriot Review. I am Jeff Wagner. The background behind me, you notice a black American flag. Um, maybe you are not familiar with the meaning of that black flag. What it represents is that we are in a fight for our life, and we will hold no prisoners. In other words, America is under attack, and for the first time in a long time, um, the forces on the inside of America, who happen to be in control of our government at this time, are, are the enemy to any real American. Yes, I know how that sounds, but it is the truth. The communists and the Marxists and the corporate fascists are attacking us on a daily basis. And this flag stands for those patriots who will not concede. And I'm not talking about violence. I, I have to do that disclaimer every time. It's really annoying. But um, tell you what I'll do. If you write to me at redbloodedpatriots.com, um, you can hit our email or contact form through that. Direct email is redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. You email me and put in the subject line black flag. I will randomly draw and send you a real black flag so that you can send the message that you are an American patriot and you will not give up. Again, not violently, but uh, you will stand up and speak out. Today's show is packed, absolutely packed. I have a gentleman doctor uh, who I followed for quite a, quite a few years now, uh, Dr. Bill Warner, who is going to be with me in an interview talking about political Islam. And we talked about last week the Red-Green Alliance, and this conversation is, uh, is more on that and more on political Islam, what it is, how, how to understand, what to understand. And then after that, I have something special to show you that he produced actually several years ago. Um, so we'll hit that. And then I have a candidate running for U.S. Senate, <clears throat> Mr. Mac Thompson, excuse me, who um, is going to be with us, and he's going to sh share some information about himself. Sorry about that. Um, so before we get started, though, I wanted to say this, that my show, unlike many that are on Frank Speech or other platforms, um, is really meant to be more of a laid-back conversation style. I really would love to encourage you to go to the website and check out what we have there for you. We have uh, a app that you can download and you can join us. You can support us either through a one-time um, one contribution where it says buy me a coffee at the top left. And then you can become a member or a patron by clicking on this button in the top left. And that will um, 
take you to Patreon and you can become a member that way. Um, you can also sign up to be a member here and enjoy uh, some of the other things that we have. So we have a group, an ongoing group. You can actually create your own groups as well. We have a forum, we have a blog, and that stuff's for member, members only. Uh, there is a free membership, so please be encouraged to do that. Also coming up on Friday, December 10th at 7 p.m., we have a Patriot meet and greet. It'll be a Zoom call where we can just talk and discuss things. Um, this, if you click on this picture here, it will link you and send you to the RSVP. Remember, you have to be a member. Uh, a free membership will get you in there. So, so that said, um, I'm going to get going with the first video. And I just want to remind you that uh, now on Frank's speech, you do have this TPR code. Um, so please go ahead and do that. There, there'll be some uh, awesome discounts up to 66% if you use that code, TPR. And um, maybe you can check that out. I'll have a couple breaks in this, as I said. There's a uh, quite a bit today. So we're going to just get started and take off. I'd like to welcome Mr. Bill Warner, uh, who is founder of politicalislam.com. And he has uh, some very important and, and uh, wonderful information about Islam and what we've talked about several times on this show, uh, the, the real purposes of Islam. And I've talked before about the uh, Red-Green uh, Alliance. And Bill, it's a pleasure to have you on and to talk to you. Uh, as I mentioned before we started, I found you on YouTube years ago. And you simply put out the best explanation I've ever seen on the Crusades. I'm going to share that in this show after we're done uh, talking together. So people okay. will be able to see that as well. So um, please, sir, just uh, introduce yourself and uh, say what you'd like to say to, to kick this conversation off. Well, I'm a retired professor. I'm a scientist. And I've studied religion all my life. As a matter of fact, my first occupation was going to be a minister, but I got sidetracked into studying math and physics. We all do what's easy in math and physics is what was easy for me. So then when I was 30 years old, I became interested in mysticism. And someone told me that Sufism was Western mysticism. Well, I'm a try it and see if you like it kind of guy. So I tried it and there were some things intriguing about it, but there was also some dark shady corners in it that I later, I didn't know what these were. Later, I could give them names. They were Sharia and Jihad. So I drifted away from that. Then I became a college professor and had many Muslim students. Matter of fact, I had one of them, a Shia Muslim who would come to my office and talk about religion, he was hoping to convert me. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm the kind of guy who we've all been told when you meet people, you shouldn't discuss religion or politics. Uh -huh. I'm like, but those are the best things to discuss. <laughs> yeah, and they're critically important as uh, yes, yeah, as we're finding. So anyway, I, I would listen to them and I had read the Quran sporadically, but I decided it was time to actually read it. And so I read it cover to cover. Then I read Muhammad's life, and then I said, we're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. On 9-11, September 11, 2001, 
my phone began to ring off the hook. This was back when phones came without instruction books. And the reason people were calling me was I had told a whole bunch of people that we were going to get hit. And they said to me, how did you know this? I said, well, I didn't know what day. I didn't know what it was going to be the World Trade Towers. Yeah. But when Osama bin Laden called America to Islam, this panicked me because it turns out every Muslim is to do what Muhammad did and said. And Muhammad called his enemies to Islam before he attacked them. His favorite attacks were early morning sneak attacks that were financial in interest. So I give you the World Trade Tower in the morning after we rejected Islam. Because we were all kind of panicked to some degree or another during this. Mm. I mean, nobody knew what was going on. Right. I remember that day like it was yesterday. It's one of those events that everyone can tell you where they were when they heard about it. Absolutely. Well, I realized we were in deep trouble. Why are we in trouble? Because, let me find my earpiece here. I realized that I lived in a, sorry to be clumsy here, but. Oh, you're fine. I got to be able to hear. I realized that I lived in a country that didn't know a Sikh from a Hindu, from a Buddhist, and that it was critical that we know these things because I could see that it was an ideological war that was coming, not a war of bullets and bombs, right. but an ideological war. Now I'm a scientist, and so I like to examine the root causes. And so it was my purpose in life, started off to, to create a Quran, creates too strong a word, but to bring a, to bring a, Quran, bring a Quran to the market that anyone could read and understand. Uh -huh. I didn't know, had no idea how I was going to do this, but I knew I was going, to, I was going to do it. And of course, in studying the Quran, I learned about the Hadith, the traditions of Muhammad, and the Sirah, his biography. Now, as a scientist, I like to measure things. And one of the first things that struck me was, is that there are three books in Islam, Quran, Sirah, Hadith. I call them a trilogy, the Islamic trilogy. And that there was 84% of the text was about Muhammad. Only 16% of it was about Allah. This is a bit strange if you stop and think about it. It is. Because most people think that Islam is a religion found in the Quran. But it turns out that Islam is not primarily a religion at all. It's primarily a political system. So this made this all the more interesting to me. And so I've devoted my entire life since then to studying and trying to teach others the doctrine of Islam, because this is an ideological war. And it's important. Let me give you an example. We spent 20 years in Afghanistan. Well, 10 years ago, I prophesied that we would lose. How did I do that? Well, once again, I just looked at the facts of the matter. Mm -hmm. And the facts of the matter are that we knew nothing about Islam. So if you don't know anything about your enemy, what his war doctrine is, how are you going to defeat him? Right. 
all we had to do is look look to the look to history as well and we saw that the Soviet Union suffered the same fate. But they also didn't study what the, who their enemy was. Yep. Now, rest assured that the enemy knows who we are. In the early days, this was in the, this was still in 2001. Somebody put together a rabbi, a minister, and an imam. And my wife asked the question, the first question of the evening. She said to the minister, she said, "Have you read the Quran?" He said, "No." She asked the rabbi, "Have you read the Quran?" "No." Then she asked the imam, "Have you read the New Testament?" "Yes, yes." "Have you read the Old Testament?" "Yes, yes." Now, who's going to win a debate here? Right. I mean, they didn't even bring a knife to a gunfight. What is what is the reason you think we've gotten so complacent? We're, we're too good looking and we're too rich. <laughs> yeah. That's all we care about, right? Unfortunately, that's true. And we think that everyone is like us. We thought that in Afghanistan, if we gave them better roads, better schools, that they would love us. But turns out they love the gifts we brought, but they didn't love us, nor will they. Right. So you need to know who your enemy is. How do they think? How do they plan? How do they, what is their vision of the world? And I've spent 20 years since 9-11 doing this. I'm not sure if I'm any further down the road at all or not. I'm an 80-year-old man, and uh, I'm running out of time. But... I claim that the most important question of our century is, what is the true nature of political Islam? What is the answer to that? The true nature of a political Islam is, is that Islam is primarily a political doctrine and it sees itself as commanding all the world. And they will have, there will be war until this happens. Now, I'm not making this up. Nor am I trying to be an extremist. I can quote you scripture about this. Yeah, we know that the whole the prophecy of the twelfth Imam, and um, I mean, there they there are even um, groups within Islam that are are opposed to each other, as we know. Um, but nobody, you know, nobody's ever what 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 I guess I can't see is how Americans are at this point where we still can't realize this, and that we're chastised for even telling the truth and called uh, Islamophobic. And those things I've been called everything but good that I've been called an Islamophobe a hater a racist the Southern Poverty Law Center Center one time said that I was one of the top ten bigots in the United States even though you know we <laughs> we, we always make these commitments like we'll never forget right we'll never forget well I think we've more than forgotten I think we've made I think we've been uh, completely irresponsible and completely. Do you know what? Do you know what the the Muslim Brotherhood says now is that we shouldn't put up any memorials to 9/11 because it creates Islamophobia. Yeah. Yeah. That, now here's what's terrible. I know of people who agree with them. We need to make nice. Right. Meanwhile, the enemy's ready to slit their throats. Yes. So how does, I think one of the things that is key to understanding this is how do our civilizations differ? The Western well, versus is, Islamic. 
it, let's say this, Muhammad was the greatest warrior who ever lived. He created a new form of war, which I call civilizational war. Everything becomes an element of war. Food, halal food, uh, dress, whatever you want to talk about can be used as war. Now, for instance, in, I think it's Illinois, there's a push by the Muslim Brotherhood to bring halal food to the prisons. Mm-hmm. You may think, well, what difference does it make one way or the other? You need to know this, that halal food has a special tax attached to it, and part of this is used for jihad. There are seven purposes for this tax, and one of them is jihad. So here we are, so stupid, that we're willing to get halal food for prisoners and the money that they're putting into, part of it goes to jihad. This is brilliant on their part, absolutely brilliant. And we are remarkably stupid. And by the way, as an old man, I can tell you this, you can be quite brilliant with IQ points and be very stupid. Yeah, I've seen that myself. Uh, And it's not, you know, it's also the communists are doing the same thing. I mean, we're funding our own demise in so many different ways. and it, you know, as people are so uh, wrapped up in their own narcissism, the world is the world is uh, descending into evil. Uh, you know, but so you notice the Muslims that come to this country. You know, the the first thing that they say, and any is any Islamist is is saying the same thing is that they prefer uh, Sharia over the Constitution. Yes. And we go with, go ahead. Let me finish something, by the way. But The two civilizations. Mm-hmm. Our, today we have a thought process, which is we can all get along. Well, that's simply not true. Our civilization is based on two critical principles. Our intellectual foundation is that of critical thought, scientific thought, Aristotelian logic. That's what our intellectual, that's what our science is based on. Our moral cornerstone is the golden rule. Do unto others you would have them do unto you. Islamic civilization, their intelligent, their intellectual basis is Quran, Sirah, Hadith. That is Muhammad and Allah. Nothing is allowed that will violate the, their sanctity. So therefore, instead of freedom of thought, you have instead, you must think inside this box. Right. Morally, Islam has a peculiar ethical system, which is very powerful. It's dualism. A Muslim <clears throat> depend, acts towards you, whether you're a Muslim or a Kafir. A Kafir is a non-believer. So how are we ever going to form some civilization, this happy civilization in which we're all going to get along. We can't agree on ethics. We can't agree on thought. So how are we going to to do this? Well, the system of war is set up in which it cannot be done because nothing in the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith can be changed. So therefore, we're in a situation where there's only one way out. That's to fight our way out of it. I'm not fighting with bullets and bombs. I'm fighting with ideas. It has been tragic that in our school system, you cannot learn the truth about Islam. 
And there are those who you would expect to know something about Islam that they do not. I gave you, for instance, the churches. Yes. They should know about Islam. Why? Well, if you read the scriptures, there's a command, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, that's not the way it reads today. Today, the churches read that and it's never go ye into the non-Muslim world, go into the non-Muslim world and preach the gospel. But to preach it inside of Islam, no, they don't do that. Furthermore, they don't know how to do it. But I, let me give you an example of what you can do with knowledge. A man came to the United States from Australia. He came to see me and one other person. This man had a remarkable quality. He was a Baptist minister in Australia who had personally converted 2,400 Muslims. I invited every minister that I knew to come to my house to listen to this man talk. One showed. Wow. This is a problem. Yeah. This is a serious problem. Because, let me explain to you what happens. In, the, in Tennessee, the governor brought in the Muslim Brotherhood to talk about Islam to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. Now imagine that you're a member of the TBI and the Muslim Brotherhood comes to you in a group approved by the governor and he tells you that Christianity and Islam are all members of Abraham, family of Abraham. So now then let's say that you're, I'm just picking arbitrarily here, let's say that you're a Methodist, nothing particular there. And you go home and next Sunday, you ask your minister, I've been told that Islam is a religion of peace and that it's a member of the family of Abraham. Is this true? If you have a minister who's not prepared to know anything about Islam, he'll go, yes. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't say enough that the examples of how that is not the truth have been so blatant obvious and there's this resistance to truth and this disbelief that evil exists in this country yes. and i don't know why people don't understand that evil exists and you there is no utopia and you cannot convince people uh not to do what they're doing unless you uh you try to convert them and unless you try to change your idea uh, but that's that that is it's flipped around upside down attempting to do so is what's called evil seems like all for evil to exist is for good men to be silent correct yeah i knew that before i'd heard it before but i've since i'm here to tell you it is painfully true it is it is so uh, why is it more important? Now, you mentioned the percentage of, the, of that trilogy that is more about Muhammad. Why is it more important to know more about Muhammad and less about the Quran? Well, what most people try to do if they decide they want to know about Islam is they pick up a book called the Quran and they read it. Well, good luck on that. I published two different Qurans. The Quran that you get in the bookstore, the one they'll give you at the mosque, is designed to be confusing. Let me give you an example. Storytelling 
is something that everyone innately understands. I've never anybody, I've never met anybody who didn't understand a story. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. If I give you a book, I happen to like detective stories. If I give you a book and I've cut off the spine and I've rearranged the chapters in the length from the shortest, I'm going to say from the longest to the shortest, and say, here, read this great book. You'd read it, it'd be garbage. There's no story. So it's just like a random collection of facts. Well, the Quran is designed that way. So it's difficult to understand because it was made impossible to understand. No one, no one in, in existence can start off with just the Quran in its original form and then read it and understand it. Now, if they've studied other things, they may be able to read it and understand it. But if that's all they know is the Quran, no one can understand it. So what what do you think the. Uh, first of all, let me ask you this. Do you believe in the that there is a red green alliance in the United States right now? Yes. Let me finish about Muhammad. OK. Remember, I say everyone can understand a story. Right. Well, if you read the Sirah, the biography of Muhammad, you can understand it. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. This, so, therefore, the beauty of reading about it, Muhammad, is you can understand it. You won't forget it. It won't be confusing. It may seem strange sometimes, but it won't be confusing. So, we need to be able to start off with something we can understand. So what I recommend to people before they want to learn, learn about Islam is first read the life of Muhammad. Then you read his traditions, which are little short stories about him. Then and only then do you pick up and start to read the Quran. So it's easy to understand Islam because anyone can understand a man's story. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And the Sirah is like is the equivalent of the Gospels. It is a sacred text. So why not start off with something you can know and understand? And by the way, once you understand the life of Muhammad, if you if you rearrange the Quran in its right time sequence, which is easily done, you will understand the Quran when you read it. It starts off with a hymn to God and ends with political domination of the world. So it was my purpose when I first started doing this. In the week after 9-11, I decided I wanted to make the doctrine of Islam understandable. The reason is, is as a scientist, I know that once you understand the laws and principles, you can easily get any information you need. So therefore, we need to understand Muhammad. Then we can understand the Quran. Then we can understand Islam. And we will also, by the way, as a free bonus, you'll be able to understand the Sharia. So you, you've basically, you're, you, what you're stating is that um, with this foundational knowledge and the understanding of of Muhammad and his life and the stories re regarding his life, then you can proceed on with a better uh, viewing point of what the real purpose is and the history and the intended history of this group of this group of people who follow Islam. That's yes, and you'll also know when you're being deceived. Deception is an important part of Islam. Remember I told you that the ethical principle that had two ways of treating people mm -hmm. 
Islam is based on duality. That is, two things contradict each other, but they're both true at the same time. But there are many formats of jihad, right? Is that is that uh, deception a form of jihad then? Yes, deception is part of jihad. One of the names for Allah, there's a verse in the Quran which says, Allah is the greatest of deceivers. Now think about that. The Christian worldview would call that Satan. It's sure wrong. So what we need here is to understand this, because what happens is, is the Muslims are very organized. They get appointments with the governor, they talk to senators, they talk to legislators, and the door is open to them. They, they bring a beautiful message. Islam is a religion of peace. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are all members of the family of Abraham. That is, they're basically the same religion. Well, these are deceptions, mm -hmm. but there's good. they sound good. And if, it's, if what I'm saying is true, then there's, no re then there's no way to have peace, and we must do war. I repeat, ideological war. So, so my message is not very acceptable, because I say there's no way we can work it out. We've been trying to work this out for 1,400 years. I'm just lo I'm looking at your, your uh, our emails uh, and our exchange, and uh, one of the things that, number one, I think people are uh, afraid I mean, people are starting to wake up now just in the sense of what our government is doing to us. But there still is a fear when it comes to Islam. How do we overcome that fear to talk about it? First off, we need to admit we're afraid. The video that I did that ever got the most viewing was called Why We Are Afraid. And in it, I showed a dynamic battle map of some 548 battles mm -hmm. that we fought against Islam. We need to understand that we're at war and we need to do it well. And instead, we're going around acting nice. We think we can compromise our way to victory. The only way to win is to be victorious. That doesn't mean you settle up and have a good confabulation and you, you're, you're feeling better after the talk. Yeah. So what would... We'll be back in a little bit uh, for the rest of that interview. I wanted to mention um, the discussion that he is having with me about uh, the, the de deception and about um, you know, the, the differences between the two religions and the the thing that this makes me think of is uh, you go and one thing that's always drove me nuts is those coexist bumper stickers, right? So Americans have themselves lulled to sleep believing that, as uh, Dr. Warner said, that the religions are basically the same, that we can all coexist and get along. And I would say that obviously, that is not the case. When you look at the beliefs uh, that he is speaking of, and, I, and this also goes beyond just Islam, the same is true for communism. 
And what we're seeing in the policies of this administration and the states shutting down businesses and forcing people to get the jab and forcing people to get uh, wear masks and kids to wear masks, all of this is tyrannical communism. And the same holds true for it as it does for Islam in, in the fact that we cannot coexist with this. This is why you have to get up off the couch and speak up. You have to get involved uh, or we will lose this country. And that is the absolute, absolute truth. Hey, patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Hello, Patriots. Would you like to become part of the Patriot Army? You can do so by going to our website and clicking on the Become a Patron button top left of the screen. You then can select your membership level. Also on our website, on the top right hand side, you'll notice a Download Our App button. This app will enable you to keep in touch with the Patriot Review on a constant basis. You'll also be able to interact with our forum and chat with other members. We hope to see you there and thank you for your support. Hello, sunshine. It's time to kick ass and take names. Check out redbloodypatriots.com. Subscribe and join the growing community of patriots. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. Well, then we need to become more isolationists. That's part of fear, the speech of fear. Where is it we can run to and hide? Mm-hmm. Well, it used to be you could go somewhere and do that, but the world is small and the 747 Boeing jet has made the world even smaller. Yeah, no longer so a you possibility. Can't run, you, 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 you can no longer run and hide. Beside that, have you tried winning? It's great. <laughs> yeah, right. Really serious. Yes, I know, I know you are, but. Uh, and remember the preacher I told you about? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's been demonstrated how to win. Right. Imagine if we had 1,000 Christian ministers who could sit down and deal with a Muslim and convert them to Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism or right. atheism. I don't care. I would put this to you that um, part of what our own government is using against us right now in this COVID, this COVID deal here is uh, fear of not, not belonging. Get the shot. You got to get the shot so you belong. You got to get the shot so, you know, you are considered a good person. Uh, 
I think the same thing holds true whenever you talk about evil of any kind. You gotta, you gotta, you don't conform if you if you bring the topic out for discussion. You're you're automatically a radical right winger or radical this or or a mean person or we've gotten to this point in our in our country where we seem to be willing to sacrifice everything without what amazes me sometimes is one of the questions that i used to be asked a lot is aren't you afraid what they meant was and it's where i got the title of my talk uh-huh. what they meant weren't you aren't you afraid of being killed uh-huh well i've led a pretty transparent life for the last 20 years and i've never been threatened there's a couple of reasons for this when I first started doing this, I was talking to a Coptic Christian about fear. Of, and he said, don't worry. He says, you will not be killed. I says, why is that? He says, well, first off, you have a high profile. It creates political problems. But he said, the other is you never insult. You never condemn. You don't mock Muhammad. You don't make anything personal. And you stand up in what you believe. It turns out that the Muslim is commanded to respect only one thing from the Kafir, the non-believer, and that is strength. He says, you're a strong man and they have respect for you. They may not like you, but they don't have, they have respect for you. So I pass along this as a piece of goodwill. Besides that, I've already told you I'm an old man. I couldn't go to my grave quietly on my deathbed if I hadn't fought the best fight I could the entire time I was alive. I may not win, but I sure tried. And here's the thing. If you decide to do this, you need to join a group of some sort, which at the end of this talk, I'll give you some more talk about. Okay. Because every Muslim is not alone. Every Muslim is a member of the Ummah, the great community of the, of the Muslims. So we need to find our own groups to join up with and work. But we need to do something. If you're a Christian, start asking difficult questions. Here's the questions I ask. Before COVID, I used to go to a lot of churches and give talks. I said, I have several questions for this congregation. How many Muslims have you converted? Yeah. How do you support the persecuted Christians in the Middle East and Africa? I just don't talk about it. I said, if you read the Gospels, Jesus offended powerful people. What, who is this power? Who is this church offended? No, you're afraid of losing your income tax to, uh, what, for uh, non-taxable. What is there's a name for that? 501c3. 501c, yeah. So let me tell you something. When you go to sleep with Caesar's dog, you will get fleas. <laughs> And you got bad case of flea. Yeah. There's another thing. Doing the right thing feels good. I don't. I'm not. A, I'm, I feel good about my life and what I'm doing. I'm doing the right thing. So I ask people who want to do something to join people like me. Because it just feels better doing the right thing. And you, by the way, something I've learned to, to, to I've learned about one of the responses I get from Christians is I'll pray about it. In Islam, there's an expression called inshallah, if God wills. If you're dealing with a Muslim and he says, I'll be there Friday, inshallah, oops. 
he may be there Friday or not. He'll be there on Friday if it is the will of God. And I've learned with too, with too many Christians, I'll pray about it just means they do a brief prayer about it and, well, it's in God's hands now. That's not the kind of help I need. I need to help people who are willing to work together. And why is it that people are afraid of being called bad names? I've been called every name in the book. People's skin has got me. Well, my theory on that is that we've gone so far away from two things. We've gone far away from being uh, being a uh, Judeo-Christian value-based society, and we've also destroyed paternalism. And we've coddled generation after generation. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody needs a safe space. <laughs> you know, I, you know, the day I think that the men of this country need to stand up and be men. I and, agree with you 100%. And they're not. The, one of the pieces of advice I gave my daughters when they were dating was, I says, don't date boys, only date men. <laughs> That's a great one. Anyway, I have three uh, daughters. Oh, tell them that advice. I will. Don't date boys, <laughs> date men. Yeah. I was at a friend's house, and a woman that was there, along with the three or four other people, and she says, I can't find anybody to marry me. I said, that's because you're dating boys. Date a man. What was your answer? The guys in the house, the guys in the house says, what do you mean? I said, see, they're confused. Are you confused? Do you know the difference? The lady, do you know the difference between a girl, and, I mean, a boy and a man? She says, yes, I do. I says, well, then act on it. She saw me a year later. She says, I met a man and we're married. Wow. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, we could go into that conversation and I could I could share some things that are would just reinforce what you're stating. But um, so I always like to have action points for common people. So what are the action points that you tell people they can take to make a difference in what we're talking about? Well, it was about eight years ago, I got a telephone call from a young man in, in, United, in Europe. I created the idea of the concept of the Center for the Study of Political Islam, but it was just like an idea. He said, can we start one in Europe? And I said, well, sure. I didn't think anything would happen about it. First off, he was young. Well, it turns out he's an organizational genius. So we now have, after six years worth of development, we have an organization called the Center for the Study of Political Islam International. You can join us or join with anybody. For instance, one of the things you could do on your own is, is go to Facebook, choose anything you want, and put in your responses as to what you've learned about Islam. Oh, did I mention you need to read the life of Muhammad and the traditions of Muhammad and the Quran? Mm -hmm. So you have to armor up. You have to do that. Now, my books are easy to read and they're designed to be part of a, a course series. Well, let's, so let, I don't, let's look at that. As you're, as you're talking here, I'm going to pull up your website. Um, so, I wanted to share your books and get this, grab this. Go ahead and keep talking. 
So you need someone to work with. Or if you want to work for your own, go on, go on to Facebook, choose different, just search for Republicans, search for anything, anything you want, Democrats, and then put in comments about Islam that are true so that you can stir the pot a little bit. This is the simplest thing you can do is to write emails on Facebook or comments on Facebook that tell the truth about Islam. It is astounding how little we know this long after 9-11. A friend of mine and a student of mine is a retired FBI agent. He was talking with some young FBI agents and he said, would you like to learn about political Islam? And they said, no. He says, well, why not? He said, if we were to bring up Islam, we would lose our job. Now, we're dealing with a military who doesn't understand the doctrine of war. We're dealing with law enforcement who has no understanding that Muslims see crime as jihad. So how are we going to win this war? What we have is ignorance. Here's, the critic, here's something that's interesting. I find it all very interesting to learn all this stuff because once you know it, everything becomes transparent. Why was I able to say that we would lose in Afghanistan? Because I knew we didn't know what we were doing. General Stanley McChrystal wrote a position paper called A Strategy for Winning in Afghanistan. These words did not appear in the strategy. Islam, Muslim, Jihad. How can you win with that? Yeah. You have ignorance. There's a beautiful book. Uh, an effective book called The Quranic Concept of War. Now you would think every general in the Pakistani army has to read this book. You would think that there would be some way that they would be interested, that our military would be interested in this book. They have a supposed, supposed center for terrorism at West Point. It's BS. They don't know anything about what they're doing. It is headed by a Muslim. Yeah, that's that's nonsensical. That's it is ridiculous. But what happens is this man who teaches this course, or heads up the department to uh, research on terrorism, is honored. He's well paid. He's deferred to. Well, my thing is, I don't care who he is. Everything I learned from Islam, I get from Muhammad and Allah. So this guy at West Point is a Muslim. If he agrees with Muhammad and Allah, then he's correct. If he disagrees, he's wrong. So I say skip this specialist at West Point. Instead, read Quran, Sirah, Hadith. Become your own expert. This is the first time in human history, 1400 years after Muhammad, that we can now read and understand the Islamic doctrine. This is a strength, but we need to start using it. I'll tell you one other thing about doing this. You'll meet some of the best people in the world. You'll meet people who are not who are not cowards. They're willing to sacrifice for their civilization. They're intelligent, they're compassionate, they're caring, and they're strong. So that's not a bad start for new friends. You've been doing this for 20 years now. Yes. Do you do you see net gain or net loss? Net loss. Well, that's uh, let me not be so quick. 
There are many more people now who understand the true nature of Islam, but we don't have any real power. I wrote a newsletter one time called The Higher You Go, The Less They Know, which is true. I've talked with veterans that came back who were sergeants in Afghanistan, and they understood what was going on, not the generals. Generals were never on the, were never in the fight. Nope. So they still don't know. They still don't know why they lost. So your 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 website and your and the organization itself is the mix older older folks or is are do you see an influx of younger people who really get? There's issue? a big division. If I have an audience in the United States, it'll be old people. If I have an audience in Europe, particularly Central Europe, it'll be young people. And this is because of the uh, immigrants allowed in or the It has refugees? to do with, because the first time I went, I was astounded. There were all these people. I mean, the guy who worked with me at first, I think he was 26 years old when he called me. I said, why is this so many young people? They said, well, you're now behind the old Iron Curtain. We've seen tyranny. Uh-huh. We know what it is. And we, tyranny with a God is worse than a tyranny without a God. He pointed across the room. He says, do you see that guy over there? The KGB killed his uncle. So he said, we've seen tyranny. Well, in the United States, we're too, we're too fat, we're too dumb, we're too good looking, and we're too rich. If I needed to raise an army, whatever town you're in, I would not go to the rich people's part of town. Mm-hmm. I'd go to the poor people's part of town. Makes sense. Those people well, are looking- rich, rich people, the richer you are, the worse the wealth corrupts. Well, not, not only that, your only mission is to, is to maintain your wealth where right. you, you go to the people who don't have the wealth, the poorer part of town, and they're looking for a solution and are more susceptible to the messages that they're given. I mean, if it's if it's Islam that's coming to re- recruit those people, those people are are obviously looking for a, an answer to improve their life. In my opinion, they're more susceptible because of that. But anyway, we need to understand this is war. This is not something we can grin our way out of. We can't, again, if I'm talking to Christians, I say Jesus was not, how do I put it, thinking here. This happens a little slower in my age. Jesus offended powerful people. Mm-hmm. He did not try to please everybody. He was kind, but he was not nice. You've reduced the entire scriptures down to two syllables. Be nice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. The churches are saying there are not a lot of young people who come. Yeah. Do you know what branch of the services always has more people than they need for their recruitment? I would say the Marines. The Marines. And what do they tell an 18-year-old kid? We do the roughest toughest, meanest, hardest jobs in the world, and they're dangerous. And an 18-year-old, and I used to be 18, as hard as I may be able to believe, for an 18-year-old pump full of testosterone, his response is, yeah! Hoorah. Right, hoorah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
the churches would find the same thing. Yeah. Churches when I was, when I was a teenager, I was out. looking for challenges. And that today we want to take away all the challenges. Everybody gets a participation trophy. Right. Garbage. Yeah. Absolutely. We're suffering the consequences of that right now. So on your website, you you sell some some books that you have written. Do you want to talk about those? I've written many books, although in a sense, I've only written three books. Once, once I finished my Quran, Sarah Hadith, my brother said, you'll be talking about these books for the rest of your life. But what I do is I'm a former professor. I love to educate. And so what I've done is, is I put together a three layer course structure. So you, you read the life of Muhammad three different times because they all have three different purposes. So therefore, I teach a, I, on my website, what look like books are actually part of a teaching system. Anyone can learn about Islam. And once you start getting into it, it's, it's interesting in a bizarre kind of way. It's certainly never dull. Somebody needs to make a real movie out of Muhammad's life. You have spies, counter spies, traitors, deceptions, war, executions. He cut off the heads of 800 male Jews in one day. Mm-hmm. So these are things that are never, they're always interesting and never dull. So this is, this, all of that information is within your content. And I know you have, yes, you have it I set up, it. you have it set up in levels here. Yes, three different levels. Okay. And once you finish those three different levels, you'll be able to sit down. You will know more about Islam than almost any Muslim you meet. As a matter of fact, I find that most Muslims know about as much about Islam as Christians know about Christianity. That's not good. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to add a link to your site on my website if you're okay with that. Absolutely. And um, uh, anything I can do to, well, let me ask you this. So you, you, you have talked about, you know, you're 80 years old and who, who is ready to pick up the, the mantle here? Uh, well, my group is. We, we, have, we, have, we have members from some 20 some odd countries. Wow. Awesome. We're not creating one in the United States. So what I hope to leave behind are my books, and we teach a methodology, and I've explained part of this methodology to you. We never insult, we never call names, we don't even talk about Muslims if we can avoid it. We talk about the doctrine of Islam. So this is part of the systemic learning process I give you. Mm-hmm. You also can debate well with these, because once you know something about Islam, your opponents know nothing. And when I say your opponents, it could be your cousin at Thanksgiving. Right. Well, Thanksgivings have become a place where there's a lot of political talk, usually about our, our own divides, about our own political, our own politics. But um, I just want to point out that your website is politicalislam.com. That's all together. Political Islam is all together. There's no dashes in politicalislam.com. And you can check uh, all these books out. You can uh, check out the organization, and you can uh, learn and what you need to learn for this fight going forward. And I, 
America, I think, is purposely, Americans are purposely being overwhelmed with, with uh, really this a coup, this internal war that's going on right now. And I really view it as a uh, all-out communist coup. Um, and then we have this as another issue. And people, people need to stand up and and stop spending time watching television and start spending time taking up the, these types of things involved. Well, this is more fun than television, I'll tell you that. And, and like I say, you'll meet good people. But most of all, you'll realize I'm doing something that's of importance. If saving your civilization is not important, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. I, uh, people are going to get tired of me saying this all the time, but there's no better legacy than preserving freedom for the future. This is true. And we have, just like when I was in Central Europe, they knew tyranny. In the United States, we don't really know tyranny, although we're beginning to learn some of what it means. Mm-hmm. Now, we complain when we go through the drive-thru and our food isn't instantly given to us. Right. We're the, we're the instant gratification country. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, technology has really been destructive to America, fortunately. That part of it is a shame. What in particular is bad, I've been censored a great deal. When we first, when the internet first came along, we thought everyone will be, have a voice, we'll be able to debate and argue about things. Well, it turns out we can't debate and argue because those who can, I think these figures are right. There are five companies that control 80% of all information in our civilization. I believe that. This is not good. No. This is very bad. And it'll only get worse. Sounds like a perfect world for Joseph Goebbels, though. I think that's yes, that's what we're <laughs> and that's what we're seeing. I mean, and eventually people have to think ahead. I mean, eventually if there's a red green access, they will cause another a world war because you have one group who is based completely on theology. The other group is based on you better worship the state and no religion. So we're we're setting ourselves up for generations of, if not forever, being in this tyrannical new world order uh, that really doesn't give one iota about whether you're a citizen or whether you're of good values or you're a good person the people who are seeking the power and the wealth they don't care about that stuff um, so what has been most successful for you and I guess I would say I would I don't I wouldn't say converting people but motivating people what has what has been most successful to motivate people to understand First off, the damage that Islam has done. We don't even know. I've talked with Christians who have no idea that Iraq used to be a Christian nation, that North Africa used to be Christian. So one thing you need to do is to learn some history. Then once you've learned this history, you need to talk to those who need to hear the message. Yes. The Uh, churches are supposed to support persecuted Christians. 
well, get down and do your work. Right. Right. Is there any um, Christian organization that you would promote as doing things correctly? No. That's sad to say. That's sad to hear. Well, I just tell you the blunt truth. Yeah, and that's good. That's what we. That's what well, we need. Well, some people don't think it's good at all. That's what we need. You know, I, yeah, I I, uh, I feel the same way, and I do the same thing, and I understand exactly what you're saying. But the stakes are too high, and uh, it sounds like the the organization that you have, and the uh, political Islam, and the education, the levels of education that you have within that, are a structure that um, really needs to be pushed out and promoted. And I don't know. Do you think? that we are looking at a time where we will have um, a completely separate system for people who have more conservative traditional values. So will we have different different schools, different, um, different box doors, different whatever, but, you know, set up because of the separation that the far-left communists want to have and because of the, the persecution and, and the... Uh, the persecution of Christians, even within our own country, the assault on on their beliefs, um, uh, in the division itself. So, do you see that growing, or do you see a future where America finally gets it and, and is unified? Well, I can't predict the future. I do know if we continue to do what we're doing, we're going to continue to get the same thing we're getting, which is loss. I'm not in the prediction business. Just Yeah, I just want to pick your but brain and, 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 and hear what you have to say about that. I do know we need to... I think that everyone is... Even if you don't worry about Islam at all, I think there are a lot of people who are... We seem to have lost our focus. Now, this is bad for me because I need a civilization that wants to fight. And be, to do that, you need to be very focused. But I don't do predictions. But well, I will say that everything is going in the right direction for Islam. Yeah. So let me ask you it this way. Um, do you think that Americans will have to have another large disaster before they decide to pick up this fight? Well, I don't know. We tend to ignore you don't know it, because if you read the standard news, there are people killed every day in Germany, Czech, France, Greece, and nobody knows about this. There are acts of jihad going on all the time. Mm -hmm. So we choose ignorance. So what I'm saying is the war is already on, but we don't want to hear about it. Right. Well, what we can do about it is we can share your message that you have provided an excellent foundational starting point. And again, Political Islam is the website. And uh, hit the bookstore there, and you have this all laid out. Um, so anybody who, who wants to, to start this and pick up this cause has a starting point. So I encourage everybody to do that. And I thank you, sir, for your time. And well, this is what I do.
and God bless you for doing it. And uh, I respect your your out your, your outspokenness and your honesty and uh, speaking truth in the in in times where speaking the truth doesn't seem to be so popular. It sure uh, isn't. Let me assure you. <laughs> <laughs> well. I think you've got an excellent start, and you do have a legacy here uh, that is not just based specifically in, you know, the United States only, but it's worldwide, and the focus certainly has to be worldwide. Um, you've gone on the interesting point here. Islam is a global problem that demands an international response. Without a doubt, and I like your discussion about those who have gone before who understand what tyranny is. We have people in our country today sounding that very alarm for other reasons, but certainly is the truth, and I wish more Americans understood that. Unfortunately, my, my hope is that we don't have to suffer as a nation before we do come to terms and understand that. Well, me too. I work for that every day. Yes. Well, thank you for what you do, uh, Bill, and thank you for being on the show. I just appreciate your time, sir, and I appreciate everything you, that you've had to say. It's critically important, and I'm glad I got to have you on my show. It's been a real honor. Well, thank you. Gotcha. Definitely was an honor to have Dr. the doctor on and to talk about these topics. I think that um, I would would just say to every American, I think we find ourselves waking up and we have all these um, threats that we've never heard about on the mainstream media. Of course, there's nothing but silence uh, on, on, on their part. Uh, they do go after us Americans who do believe in the traditional values of, of America, who do believe in the golden rule, and who do... Uh, have a Judeo-Christian mindset, we are constantly under attack. We uh, are a people who at one point, not so long ago, would have been called patriots in this country, and that would have been a, that would have been a, a compliment. Now patriots are called domestic terrorists. So here we have Islam, we have uh, uh, communism, uh, we have those forces working together, which in the end can only lead to combating each other because one is godless and one is, of course, every everyone has to believe, uh, has to partake of the Islamic faith. Um, so we are in a war and there is there are multiple fronts to this war. When I come back, I am going to kind of finish this whole topic up with something that um, Dr. Warner did a few years back, I guess. But um, I'm going to link it together with what we've seen in our American politi political experience. And um, we're going to talk about the Crusades. And that is one thing that comes up as soon as you mention uh, Christianity and Islam in the same sentence. Those on the far left like to bring up the Crusades. And we'll address that when I come back here. <laughs> You too can support the Patriot Review. Seriously, why not?
You should help a guy out, starting at $3 a month. That's not so bad now, is it? Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love my pillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. the thought police and subscribe or follow the patriot review it's your patriotic duty hey everybody just a reminder you saw the advertisement for the upcoming spring 2022 documentary called high treason Freedom Waning is already out. It's uh, over two hours long, so either watch it in parts, or if you're a, a binge watcher of everything political like I am, then you'll be able to handle it. But it is available right now uh, on our website. You can check that out by going to our homepage, scrolling down, and you'll see the under the trailers, you can actually see the Watch It Now. Click on that. You'll go right to the documentary. You'll be, you'll be able to see it. It's also out there on Rumble, and it's out on um, Frank Speech and Roku as well. Uh, love to have your support, folks. You can download the app, as I mentioned before. You can become a patron member. You can donate if you would if you would like. We also have a shop with a lot of cool stuff in it. You can check that out, and it's quality stuff. I, I have that myself. And uh, much like the Lindell uh, products at MyPillow.com, again, use TPR for that, and you'll get up to 66% off of many great items. My favorite are the moccasins or slippers, and uh, the bathrobe is awesome. I think I'll do a commercial on that to show you that. His products are great, and I, I encourage you to check them out if you haven't done it, again, using code TPR. So we're back. We were talking about Islam. We were talking about uh, uh, America and the situation we find ourselves in. We can't talk about anything. Uh, 
Um, if you start talking factually, you are accused of being a racist, uh, an Islamophobe, a phobe, etc. Um, but I wanted to show you a video that uh, got me started in looking at this topic and how I found the good doctor there. Uh, it was after this particular uh, comment by um, a rather famous Islamist and uh, ra rather radical uh, anti-American. How do we as people of faith reconcile these realities? The profound good the strength, the tenacity, the compassion and love that can flow from all of our faiths, operating alongside those who seek to hijack religious for their own murderous ends. Humanity has been grappling with these questions throughout human history. And lest we get on our high horse and think this is unique to some other place. Remember that during the Crusades and the Inquisition, people committed terrible deeds in the name of Christ. In our home country, slavery and Jim Crow all too often was justified in the name of Christ. What a putz. Yes, I did say enemy. He definitely is an enemy to America. And I'll, I'll give you a good example of why I can say that. Number one, he talks about um, Christianity and comparing the Crusades to uh, referencing the Crusades to talk about these terrible acts as if the Christians were the, the uh, people who uh, were persecuting the Muslims across the globe and were attacking the Muslims across the globe. Um, we'll hit that one first. And that is where Dr. Warner's uh, video comes in and take a look where well, this is this is the great a great uh, demonstration of fact versus emotion. That guy Barry, he was talking about emotion. He he uses it masterfully, and he uses emotion as many on the left use emotion. But when you expose their rhetoric to fact, here's what you get. Whenever you're dealing with an apologist for Islam, or even a Muslim, and you bring up jihad, almost immediately they kick back to you, well, what about those terrible crusades? Why, they're the moral justification for jihad. I mean, we're just as bad as they are, so let's not talk about jihad, okay? Let's talk about the crusades. Well, what we'd like to talk about here are facts. And it turns out I sat down and put together some work, and I created a database of some 548 battles that Islam fought jihad battles against classical civilization. And this aren't even all the battles. It really doesn't say much about Africa and India, Afghanistan and all that. It's primarily the battles against the classical civilization of Rome and Greece. So 548 battles is a lot and it's too much to even comprehend. So I created something which I call a dynamic battle map in which you have a display of the Mediterranean and a white dot means that this 20-year period, that's a new battle. So every time the screen changes, it's 20-year period. They then, the colors white turn to red, so you can see a history. This may seem a little confusing, but I think when you see it, you'll know exactly what I mean. And here it starts. Islam burst out of the 
Arabian Peninsula and immediately starts attacking the Middle East. And notice that it doesn't take long until they're crossing the Mediterranean and attacking southern France and Spain. Notice something here. Most people think of Islam, they think of Arabs, they think of Arabs, they think of desert. And yet here we see that Islam is projecting power throughout the Mediterranean. Notice how the little islands of the Mediterranean are getting hammered. The navy of Islam would attack coastal towns, kill, rob, rape, and then take slaves. So this whole battle map as it unfolds, you're seeing slaves being taken. Over a million slaves were taken out of Europe into the Islamic world. That's something you don't think about much, but it's absolutely true. There were over 200 battles fought in Spain alone. And we also see, however, on the east coast in Turkey that Islam is trying to break into Europe. Now what's going to happen is in Spain, this ongoing fight that lasted for 400 years, is the Christians are going to push back the Muslims. But now then what has happened over in the east is that Constantinople has fallen and now then Eastern Europe is getting hammered. The Jihad now comes to Eastern Europe. It's pushed out now of Spain. Northern Africa is now completely Islamic. The Middle East is completely Islamic. This is all Jihad, relentless Jihad. And why is it so relentless? Well, Muhammad was relentless in his Jihad. And these people are good students of Islam and so it's against the Kafir on and on. It was traditional that when the Sultan came to power, the brand new Sultan, he would immediately try to launch new wars because he was going to be noted in his Islamic history as to how well he fought against the Kafir. So that's what the Jihad looked like over that time period, 548 battles. But remember, when you bring up Jihad, people want to bring up the Crusades. So I also prepared a dynamic battle map of all the offensive raids of the Crusaders. Let's watch it and make a comparison. And so it begins. The Crusades enter into Turkey and the Middle East. Battles go on, but aren't there far fewer than you thought there might be? And here we go. The last battles are fought, and that is the end of the Crusades. So now then we can talk about some facts. Yes, there were Crusades, but notice they ended centuries ago, and Jihad is being practiced today. Jihad has been with us for 1,400 years. There is no comparison between Jihad and the Crusades, certainly not a moral comparison. And when you're looking at the Crusades, remember, in one sense, all of the Crusades were defensive wars. Why? Well, as we saw in the first Jihad map, it was Islam that came out of Arabia and conquered the Middle East, a Christian Middle East. And so the Crusaders were trying to free their Christian brothers and sisters from Jihad. So there's no moral comparison at all. The motivation of the Crusaders was to free Christians. The purpose of Jihad is to enslave the Kafir. So the next time you hear somebody talk about all oh, those dreadful Crusades, you've seen some facts about the matter. Why don't you pipe up and tell them you know you don't really know the matter. Dr. Warner put together an excellent video. You notice that uh, Barry was also talking about slavery and one thing that I'd love to see done, and maybe I'll do it myself, uh, he referenced slavery, and of course, every American, when the magic word slavery is mentioned, they automatically think that the 
the uh, subject, the topic of conversation is only slavery in America and those evil white guys, what they did to those poor black victims. Uh, however, I think that if we plotted a map like uh, Dr. Warner did there and we looked at slavery worldwide, we would see those million white people enslaved by Islam. We would see slavery all over the globe. We would see that in Africa, slavery existed, including slavery of white people before, during, and after the blacks were enslaved and freed in our country. So that's it for that segment. I know it's a long segment. Thank you for being here with me. I do have an interview with the candidate from Ohio for U.S. Senate, Mac Thompson. I'm going to show that in just a second. However, please write me again and use the subject um, flag or black flag, and I'll put you in a drawing to receive a real black, black flag. Remember, the meaning behind that flag is take no prisoners. We're going to fight to save our country. Don't mean that violently. Have to put that disclaimer in there, or you never know who's going to be knocking at your door. Uh, but you can email that to redbloodedpatriots at, uh, at uh, protonmail.com. That's redbloodedpatriots with an S at protonmail.com. Put the flag in the subject line. We'll put you in that drawing. Also, join the discussion we have coming up on December 10th at 7 p.m. You can go to our website and click on the graphic for that event, and you can RSVP. And uh, I'm going to wrap up the show. Now, this interview is a little 20-some minutes long. Um, but, uh, again, a, a candidate for U.S. Senate in Ohio, Mac Thompson. Hey, Patriots, I am proud to have Mr. Mac Thompson from Ohio. Mac is a candidate for U.S. Senate. And, Matt, I want to have you just, first of all, welcome to the show. And it's great to have you here. And I'd like to have you just talk a little bit about your background and what's brought you to this point in time in your life where you've decided to, to actually put your put your neck out there and put your name in the hat for what can only be described as a thankless job. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a very good way to put it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my name is Mac Thompson. I'm running for U.S. Senate in the state of Ohio. I grew up in Ohio. And then I joined the Air Force when I was 19. I had to wait around for a waiver because I got some surgery in high school to fix a shoulder. And so that kind of set my career on an interesting path. Uh, <clears throat> got to do a whole bunch of really cool things in the Air Force. Um, spent most of my time on active duty in the 5th Combat Communications Group where I really got to learn a lot of the intricacies on uh, how our internet works, how satellites work, all that funness, and then I became a unit deployment manager. So then I got to learn how all of our international relations work and dealing with troop movements. So that got to be very interesting, working with the State Department, foreign nations, and everything that goes hand in hand with that. Um, after I did eight years on active duty, I came back to Ohio and started school at the University of Cincinnati, where I am about to finish my degree in international affairs. So kind of pursuing that train of thought of why can't we work together and how can we make it more advantageous for us? We're America. Why shouldn't we be putting ourselves first on the forum when it comes to our deals? Excellent. You know, first of all, thanks for your service. Um, and secondly, it's awesome to see more and more people stepping up and, and uh, you know, really becoming part of the process to create – 
the change that we actually need and get us out of the cyclical nature of of politics and lobbyists and and all that stuff so again it's a pleasure to have you here and I know uh, you have a website and I'm going to show that right off the bat here um, this you can go to folks and check it out this is at Thompson P-H-O-M-P-S-O-N for Senate.org that's Thompson for Senate.org and check out the website there's a lot of information about Mac here uh, you can obviously donate, which is important. And I have to tell you, Mac, I am so tired of all the requests for donation that come in from like third-party sources. I really like—I go to the page like you have there, and I donate directly to the person that I'm going to support. And so, folks, you can do that, and it's important. You know, maybe you only need eight grand, like uh, like uh, Ed Durr out there in uh, yeah. New Jersey, right? It's, uh, yeah, I think we just uh, <laughs> have to see a lot of interesting upsets. Isn't it, though? It's it's awesome to see. I mean, if that doesn't send a clear message that people are sick and tired of what's going on, I don't know what would. And um, so, but let's get to you, Mac. We, we, you were talking about your background, and you were talking about uh, your experience specifically in the military and abroad and, and organizing. Uh, sounds like you get a lot of a lot of work in organizing uh, things, and you have logistics as one of the topics that you wanted to talk about from a, co a post-COVID standpoint. Why don't you tell us about <laughs> that one? Well, uh, I think we're kind of starting to see it all now, where things that well, I mean, if you remember during COVID, we saw where toilet paper shortages, bleach yeah. shortages, everything that you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Then we started having weird shortages like different meat sources, mm -hmm. random products like different like instant rice materials, depending on where you were. It's just really strange items that you want to consider, you know, being a shortage commodity. We're the United States. We make right. most of the world's food. <laughs> we are spoiled, aren't we? We are. And, and now we're starting to see as we're coming out of post-COVID that we kind of forgot how our supply chains actually function and how they're supposed to move smoothly. Yeah, especially domestically. Right. And we really got that eye opener with COVID of, wait, not everything is produced domestically. Right. We're well, you know, a lot of this from overseas. Uh, hopefully, God reduces the rush on uh, paper, and you know, <laughs> uh, we don't have to face that again. But the fact is that <laughs> we, uh, you know, we're. I think we're we're in. This is just my opinion, but I think we're in for a, a little bit of hurt here before it gets better. And we see the ships, the container ships offshore, and um, all the issues that we have with rising prices. And it's funny because, you know, when gasoline price goes up like it has, well, then everything goes up because it costs more to ship it, right? So, uh, costs more to ship, costs more to produce, everything that goes hand in hand. So, you know, Americans are, I think, more getting more and more fed up with that. Now, how would you? How would you address that if you were the one who was elected, and God hope you will be? How, how are you planning to address that specific problem? Well, I think a lot of it stems from certain policies that just kind of get enacted on a uh, almost uh, knee-jerk reaction. Take, for instance, the Keystone oil pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very strange that suddenly it became this huge Democratic focal point, even though it was actually put into action during the Obama administration. Right. So why did it suddenly become such a hop on an issue for Democrats when it was originally their idea? This yeah. pipeline would have allowed a lot of crude oil and a lot of gas 
to become a lot more affordable and a lot more readily available. Why did we shut it down? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can answer that with my, what my opinion is, and I think that there is an agenda uh, behind the scenes to completely transform our country also from the Obama administration. And um, anybody who's watched my show knows what my viewpoints on that are, so I won't, I won't burden you with that. But I think that there's definitely a... Uh, a very negative um, globalist and communist kind of uniparty behind the scenes, and and we have to have to address that. So candidates like yourself, who are more, I don't know if you, if you want to if you want to if you're comfortable with saying America first because of the uh, the ties to Trump or not, but basically anybody anybody who's running for office uh, that should be. That should be what they are. I mean, that they're in a, they're in this country, and they should be supporting things that further the country, protect its citizens, and uh, really provide the opportunities that all citizens are supposed to be benefiting from in the United Absolutely. States. You know, so so along with that, you know, in talking about the whole America First agenda and Trump in general, you know, we've been facing this ridiculous censorship of of Americans who really, you know, they're labeled as domestic terrorists, but 10 years ago, they would have been called patriots. And, you know, so I want to get your thoughts on that, uh, what you see maybe coming in the future as far as big tech is, any, anything you want to add on that whole topic? Yeah, I definitely think the uh, issue of censorship is, is a very strange one, especially in a country where our First Amendment guarantees our freedom of speech. <laughs> uh, we've turned into this culture that seems to be like, oh, I don't agree with you, so you're not allowed to talk. But then that really doesn't allow for a lot of good rational discord. And instead, it just makes us start to fall farther and farther apart, making us an easier people to conquer. If we're not coming together and, and holding American values first and foremost, then what are we doing as a country? What are we doing as a society? Right. You've got to really take that into account that you know, telling someone to shut up doesn't make their thought go away. Going to somebody and explaining like, hey, you know, you, you know, you keep saying trust the experts. A hundred years ago, the experts thought that washing their hands was beneath them. Like experts <laughs> can be wrong. We yes. need to actually discuss things. <laughs> it's interesting because in D.C., the experts, you know, the top experts are just the people who give you the most money. Right. So right. <laughs> you, uh, you, you get you, you know, Going to Washington, you know, I really, I really envy, envy and respect people like um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who goes there and who isn't afraid to speak up and who says what she has to say in defense of her and in support of her constituents, and that's what we need more of. You know, the uh, founding of the the country it was supposed to be citizen patriots that were elected into these positions and not made up exclusively of doctors and lawyers, which it's kind of turned into. So it's refreshing again to see a gentleman like yourself who has the background you have, who's willing to step up. Uh, I also noticed on your webpage that you have term limits as one of your issues that you put there. I can't support that enough. Um, <laughs> you know, we look at uh, Nancy Pelosi, who, my God, I don't know, her and Keith Richards would make quite a dating pair. So, <laughs> If you know who Keith is, I'm a little older than you, but uh, he's the guitarist for the Rolling Stones who probably has done every drug 150,000 times, right? <laughs> but uh, but she's she's a real joy. So um, 
and there are plenty on the the Senate side as well. And you know, I'm to the point, and I think a lot of Americans are to the point where they aren't fooled anymore that you know there is this uniparty that exists that they just exist to enrich themselves. And they see people going into the House or the Senate, and they you know they're they're paid in the thousands of dollars, and they come out of office with bank accounts, multi-millions of dollars. Right. And people aren't fooled. When President Grant was in office, he would walk to the Willard Hotel and he would sit in the lobby and have a cigar and a stiff drink, as Grant always enjoyed. And uh, you know, people would come in and they'd, they'd pester him, and that's that's where the whole term lobbyist came from. He would, he would usually swear along with that description, but, you know, so, so you're... <laughs> You're, I respect you because you're facing this uh, this this real cesspool, and my hope is that if you get elected, you don't you don't go there and then get beaten down and end end up falling in line with the rest of the folks there. Uh, and I I would think that uh, I'm going to ask you. I mean, do you do you commit to the people of Ohio that you are you're going there to represent them as your constituents and as a servant to the people? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that is the ultimate job. It's it's a civil service. It's not a career. Right. The the whole purpose is for me to go there, represent for six years, and then return to my farm, go back to where I came from, to right. go back to doing my normal day to day life. Yes, and I believe that. I've looked at your web page. I've seen some the, some of the issues that you listed there, and that's exactly what we need more of. So thank you for for saying that, and that the people of Ohio should register with quite positively, I would think. Um, so along with censorship, we have this other thing going on in America where we are playing these identity politics. And, uh, you know, I want to get your take on that and uh, how you explain maybe how you look at that. Yeah, well, like I had kind of mentioned with uh, going hand in hand with censorship, when we just immediately adhere to a tribe, we tend to forget that the quote unquote other is still American. You know? right. We start to differentiate between ourselves and start to try to put labels and make it so that rather than American, now it becomes Democrat and Republican. And then it becomes, well, I support X, I support Z, and I support A. It's like, yep, but will X, Z, or A benefit all of America? Or have we just decided that this loud minority gets to rule the majority? And what we're starting to see with the polls is that people are starting to get really fed up with that. The silent majority is finally starting to speak back up and say, wait a second, what's happening right now? Why have we let this really detract based off of these simple minority problems or programs that just really start to ostracize everyone else and make them have to choose a yes or no instead mm -hmm. of having that gray debate area of, you know, wait, is defund the police really a great idea or should we really look at it more about maybe you need to enforce better rules and standards. Maybe you shouldn't just let everyone on because of a quota or, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you should have stricter PT standards. You should get better training. You shouldn't divert funding into an administration that should actually go towards police. It's yeah. just to turn into these rather than yes or no. What about the everything in between that really encompasses an issue? Yeah, and that's good insight. And I, I think the people of Minnesota spoke loudly about the defunding the police issue when they voted to have more police now because they're seeing the right. skyrocketing crime rates and violent crime rates, especially. It's startling. 
that's happening all across the country in these blue cities that, um, you know, they've allowed this nonsense to go on. And uh, comparatively, um, they're sending a message and they're doing so on purpose with the people from uh, January 6th and, and those folks who are still in jail versus the people who burned and looted and murdered people this past summer. And I think, Absolutely. you know, that was the indication that, um, you know, in my opinion, this is a this is a coup that's been that's been going on. And we are really, in my opinion, again, literally at war internally. And, uh, you know, so we have to have folks such as yourself who who have a love for and respect for this country, you know, to be in office and replace some of these people. And, uh, you know, I want to just say to you that. Uh, this is a mission, and with your background, I'm sure you could you could you could uh, tell me this uh, in a better way. But this is a mission that um, is is critical, and you know, I've said, and people are going to get sick of me saying this, but I say it uh, in part to share it with every guest that I have, and that is, um, I'm 54. About 50, you start thinking about what your legacy is, and you know the legacy of of the truth of legacies is that after three generations, your relatives don't tell stories about you anymore, don't remember you anymore. But what better legacy or more important legacy is there than saving this country for for future generations and ensuring freedoms? And you know that isn't done that isn't done strictly through the military. As a matter of fact, most of the work is done through citizen participants at the local level and you know a person such as yourself with the background that you have and the, the work that you do now I mean you are uh, you are the homegrown activist citizen who is gonna go and who's gonna be who's gonna champion what we need so I, res I respect what you're doing um, quite a bit and I do want to ask you what you see as some of the bigger challenges that you're going to face looking forward to your campaign journey here. And then if you're successfully elected too, you know, what challenges do you see right from the start? Well, that's definitely a hard question. Uh, but to go with your point, uh, I heard a great quote, and that was that an activist looks towards tomorrow, a politician looks towards the next election, <laughs> and a statesman looks towards the next generation. Amen. Uh, so to really think about it, it, it can't be that what is going to be my my next challenge. It has to be what is my next goal. And so my very first goal would be to immediately start that conversation on term limits, really getting that out there, making sure that it's it's actually heard again. We forget that every year, well, every two years, uh, every Congress, it's actually put up on a ballot. And then it just gets swept into the back room because it yeah. only gets nine signatures. And so... We, we don't hear anything else about it after that point. It's almost as if people use it as something to get elected and I forget to carry through with it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You mean they do that? <laughs> yeah, go figure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of my thought process on all of this is actually holding myself accountable and holding my peers accountable rather than just, yeah, well, I made it. So I've already done what I set out to do. Now I set out to actually accomplish something and hopefully those steps in between get me to that end goal. So is that how you view what separates you from your competition? Is your Unfortunately, right now, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, 
we just see we see a lot of people who really revert back to that old school methodology and just try to outspend their opponents and try to say what they think their constituents want to hear rather than taking the time to stop and listen about what they actually want or need. And I think we just watched in Virginia, New Jersey and Minnesota. It's not even the way to win anymore. It's right. You have to listen to your people. Well, I think the the people are are becoming more and more awake and realizing that the only person that's going to be able to fix it is looking at you in the mirror. And absolutely, you know. So, um, again, it's it's a pleasure to speak with you, and I want to just tell people again to head to your website, and um, that's uh, Thompson for Senate. Dot com, correct? Dot org, sir. Or dot org, I mean, sorry. Um, so yeah, head over there, check it out. Um, there's a lot of information there about Mac and about what he wants to do. I'd like if you if you could though, just take a minute and and uh, if you, you know deliver the message to the the people who would be voting for you and let them know what you want them to know. If you can. I don't know how easy, easily that's summed up, but if you could share that, um, these are the people that you want to, that you definitely want to reach, obviously. So, uh, what might that message be? That message would be that regardless of who wins, we have to hold our politicians and elected officials accountable. The lack of accountability that we've seen for the past at least three decades has led us to the point that we are now, and so we really have to maintain that vigilance, skepticism, and criticism. And without it, we're not going to get the people we deserve. We're going to get the people that just settle. <laughs> yeah. Criticism. Is that okay? I mean, criticism. Yeah. I, I think it is. Yeah, I think, I think Nan, Nancy is pushing through the House, so maybe you'll get there in time in the Senate um, to vote on safe spaces for the Congress, Congress people. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Mac, thank you very much for being with me. I'd love to have you back. and talk about things as they progress. Uh, any other messages that you want to share, be happy to help you out with that anytime. So thank you very much again. It's been a joy talking with you, and I wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jeff. You bet. <laughs> I definitely enjoyed that visit, and if you haven't gathered anything up to this point in time, one thing that's true is I'm absolutely terrible with names. And I know that I called Mac Matt, just a slip of the tongue in the very beginning, obviously. Um, working on that, I'm also working on the uhs and ums, and I do that. I apologize for that. I'm working on it. Nobody's more critical of me than me. But that said, um, the glitch that occurred is another great joy of technology. I'm working on the show. I'm Welcome your feedback. If you uh, have liked some particular segments that you've seen in the past, let me know that. Again, my email is redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. The website is redbloodedpatriots with an S.com. Head on over. There's all kinds of stuff to see there. We have uh, the Robert uh, Firth uh, is a author who has been on my show, and I'm going to put his books up this week. Uh, should be should be complete with that. Uh, he does contribute to the blog, so you can check out his his blog entries, and you can, as I said before, become a free member of the Patriot Review. You can download the app, 
and keep up to date and come back again next week uh, live on CloudHub and Rumble at 4 o'clock central. And then I upload to Frank's speech, hoping one day to get on the live broadcast uh, grouping at Frank's speech. So hopefully that happens soon. Um, and I look forward to being back with you again and bringing you more of the Patriot Review. We'll see you next time.